the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Well, on today's program, a very special guest joining us, and perhaps one that won't be a stranger to you. He is a man that served the United States in the armed forces for 20 years and has served God and the church for even many, many more years. He is the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship Church. You see the big sign quite often as you drive up the 880 in San Leandro. And what a delight to have join us on the program today, the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship Foursquare, Pastor Vince Taylor. Pastor Taylor, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Craig. We are looking forward to the conversation and uh, an opportunity for our listeners to get to know a bit more about you and uh, the amazing ministry taking place there in San Leandro. But let's start with a little bit of your background. I alluded to the fact that you uh, served in the United States Navy for some 20 years. Thank you very much for your service. And part of that time you were involved in ministry. So kind of give us a look at the the trajectory and what eventually brought you to um, Oakland Naval Hospital and eventually into what is now full-time pastoral ministry. Wow, that's a, a really good start. I remember being in the Bay Area back in 1982. No, 1983. And I was with friends. We got off our ship. I was stationed aboard the USS New Jersey. That's a battleship, uh, uh, one that I take pride in serving on. And I asked the Lord one day as we were driving down 580, I said, this is a beautiful place. When I finish my tour aboard ship, I would like to uh, live here, Lord. I'd like to really enjoy this area. Well, Uh, God answers prayer, because shortly thereafter, after my tour there, I was transferred here and looking for a church, also looking for a place to live. I met a friend that is still a friend to this day. Her name is Sheila Watson. She was my landlord and invited me to church here at Faith Fellowship. And that has um, uh, just gone from being youth minister uh, serving on the prayer team at Faith Fellowship and just doing all kinds of uh, uh, ministry things in Faith Fellowship and ultimately coming back to the Bay Area when I retired in 1980, 1998 and started to serve here. I've been the senior associate pastor here since 1978 and then in 2020 became the senior pastor here at Faith Fellowship. But it was on that very ship Uh, Craig is where I gave my heart to the Lord. I um, was leaving port in Long Beach and just felt this very unusual tug on my heart. And I found a place to go and pray. And I said, God, I'm leaving my family behind right now. And I really just want you to protect me. My mom was a praying mom. I mean, really a praying mom. Um, And I gave my heart to the Lord June 9th, 1983, and I've been serving him all those years. And, you know, ministry is something you start out with just as, well, Lord, I need to do something in church. And then, of course, God takes the steering wheel, and here I am. Now, the fact that you were in the Navy and, in fact, a 20-year careerman indicates that uh, you weren't a bum. <laughs> you, you, were, you were focused on a career and making a difference. And yet I wonder, you allude to your mom being a praying mother. For, for parents eavesdropping right now that say, oh, Pastor Taylor, you have no idea. We've had such a difficult time with our son, our daughter. We have been praying, and it yet seems as if they just you know, no matter how hard we pray, no matter what we say, they have not come full circle to surrender themselves to Christ yet, even if it's a son or a daughter who's successful and doing well, but outside the fellowship of Christ. What do you say to that person 
in terms of the importance and the value of being persistent and consistent at being that praying parent on behalf of a child? Well, I'll say this. I remember the various times that I knew I was not living the way my parents raised me. I knew that. It was very clear to me. Uh, I was taught well. But it was always that sense of knowing God, just having a, a something that parents deposit in their children, and that is a relationship with God or the knowledge of God, at least, that someone is watching over you, watching what you say. One of my mom's favorite lines was, if you ever find yourself in trouble, call on the name of Jesus. I never forgot that to this day. And I did that many, many times. And I'll say to the moms, the dads out there right now, there were times when my parents could look at me and say, he's not walking the way that we have prayed that he would. Uh, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that prayer doesn't work. Don't give the enemy an opportunity to cause you to grow weary in praying for your children. You do this. God answers prayer. You continue. Be steadfast in that. Don't weary in well-doing. In due season, you will reap. Just so, don't faint. So you're telling our listeners that the faithful, fervent prayer of a righteous father or a righteous mother does indeed avail us much. It, and I'm a living witness to that because the reality is, is that uh, at any point in time before I gave my heart to the Lord, they could say, Lord, do you hear us? This boy is just going north and south, east and west. And uh, do you hear us, Lord? And uh, the day came, June 9th, 1983. And I, when I told my mom, uh, she was ecstatic. Uh, I, in fact, I was on my way to a, on a cruise that ended up in, uh, off the coast of uh, Lebanon. And I marvel at that because right now, United States ships are off the coast of Lebanon and Israel right now, just as they were in 1983 mm -hmm. and 84 and after. Uh, boy, it's uh, dating myself a little bit, but Ronald Reagan was president at the time. And uh, in October of that year, I woke up one morning and um, two terrorists had driven a truck bomb through the Marine Corps barracks. 241 Marines killed uh, while we were there in that, on that tour. And so now watching the news and what's going on in Israel today, it just stirs up memories. I'm, I'm mindful of the young men and women that are off that coast right now, and their parents are praying for them like my mom did and hoping everyone returns home safely. Uh, but the world, I guess there's really nothing new under the sun, Craig. It just... Uh, kind of repeats itself. It does indeed. And, you know, that that sense of the powder keg, uh, you know, close to any foolish dictator lighting a match could explode anywhere. And a good reminder, I think, to pray for those who sacrifice their lives, be it for two-year, three-year stint, or for 20 years like yourself in service of God in country, uh, that we, even if we don't have anybody in our immediate household that's in active military duty, they may be as a reservist, but we should always be in prayer for our military because they literally are on the front lines defending not only our own na nation, but democracy around the world. It, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about the fact that obviously you've been raised in a, in a God-honoring household. How significant of a difference from your perspective is that, that, that difference between knowing of God and knowing God? Because we'll oftentimes talk to people and say, oh yeah, I've gone to church when I was a kid. Maybe they still go to church now. They, I know about God. But is there a difference between knowing about him and knowing him as in personally? Absolutely. I, I, I would describe it this way. I used to call on my mom's God uh, because it was her God that I was praying to, the one that I would hear her praying to, or it was her God that I was asking to help me or see me through things. It wasn't my God. And, and I say that to say that there is a difference where I'm doing what I'm told. My parents tell me to pray. My parents tell me to call on the Lord. But my life and 
calling on the Lord were not consistent. They weren't compatible until one day he becomes your Lord. He is my Lord and my Savior. And there's a very, very distinct difference between the God of my parents and the God that I now serve. So that is the experience uh, as best I can describe it. There is the reality that God has set eternity in, in our hearts. People know of God, but there is a very, very um, strong and significant difference between him becoming your Lord and your Savior. And anyone who's religious, just know that it's not enough. It's just not enough. It's a personal relationship that God wants to have with us. During the Christmas season, certainly we give a nod to the babe in the manger, folks that um, perhaps find it difficult to be out of bed on a Sunday morning during the other 51 weeks of the year, will somehow manage to uh, to make it to church at Christmas time. Uh, and that would seem to fit into, the, again, that category of almost being sort of a, a Christian because it's the cultural thing. It's the historical thing. It's what you did as a child. It's what you were raised to do, like you were raised to pay your taxes on time. You don't necessarily want to do it, but you were given the message that it's something that you ought to be doing. But when you talk about that personal relationship, Pastor Taylor, and that difference that it makes. You know, clearly when we talk about the broader picture of eternity, and, and oftentimes that question that is posed, if you were to die today, do you know where your destiny would be? Where would you go? But moreover, the notion of knowing personally the very creator of the universe, he who sent his only begotten son whose birth we celebrate this time of year, to eventually die on a cross to pay the penalty of sin for all of us, between our own sin nature and the Adamic sin nature that we've inherited, and, and through that substitutionary work on the cross, to be forgiven and to be reconciled unto relationship with very God, the creator of the universe himself. Wow, I mean, it's difficult for a a finite mind to sort of wrap itself around the, the, the powerfulness and the degree of love that God has shown toward mankind as an infinitely loving God. But I would imagine when you begin to capture a little bit of a notion of the difference between knowing of God and knowing God, it really is literally all the difference in the world, isn't it? Amen. It is. Well, and you know what, Craig, you just preached a message right there. Um, you know that because the coming in to, you know, just the acceptance, acknowledgement, realization, recognition of the fact that we're sinners is just it, it's it changes the game in, in a sense. Who can argue with God that they have not sinned? Who could ever do that? And so once you start to recognize, and that's what makes the gospel so so powerful, it brings people into a real conversation about the fact that, yes, you are a sinner. Yes, I am a sinner. And that begins to open the door to, then what am I going to do about it? And is there a heaven? Is there a hell? And where will I spend eternity? Uh, do I believe in eternity? Of course I do. And I think most people, if they're honest, will say, yes, I, I believe there is an afterlife. I believe there's something that happens after this earthly existence. So I'm saying that, the, the as uh, John said, uh, if we say we have no sin, we're basically calling God a liar. And so the reality of coming to grips with it and acknowledging it and then wanting to know, is there an answer for me? I've ruined my life. Can I... Um, restore some uh, a sense of you know success or can i do something that blesses the other end of my life the first early years teenager and those years maybe to some they're lost well then what are you going to do with the rest and most importantly when you become a parent you start to concern yourself with this god thing and what am I going to do to let them know about it? What am I going to, am I going to leave them ignorant of God? And therefore, if there is one, I'm just going to allow them to live in eternity separate from God. 
And those things start to hit you. Uh, you start to realize that my son was born in 1983. That was the exact year I gave my heart to the Lord. Is that now I'm a dad. I was a husband a year earlier. Now I'm a dad. And so I have to really take these things serious now. And he's going to grow up and he's going to live a life. And what do you want for him? Well, I don't want him using drugs. I don't want him to have a life of, of sin and perhaps incarceration. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to ask God to help him. And I'm going to teach him about the Lord the way my parents did me. And I think that is basically my story right there. I've got to do this. I got to give him a chance at life abundantly and eternal life. Changed everything. I want to spend a moment here, if we can, Pastor, to just kind of pivot to uh, what God is doing at Faith Fellowship. I know that you've got service Sunday mornings twice at 11 and 9 a.m., Wednesday midweek, of course, at 7 p.m., but there is literally something for everyone from little kids all the way up to the seniors. So uh, for folks that are maybe new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a church home or saying, you know, we really do need to get it plugged into a church that not only is, is strong in Bible-believing and Bible-teaching preaching, but also allows us to really fully enter into that, that sense of corporate worship together. Just spend a moment, if you would, please, and tell us a bit about what the Lord is doing at Faith Fellowship. Well, let's start with our men's and women's ministry. Uh, I'll start there. Rhonda Hastings and Danny Banks, those two are phenomenal in their outreach to men and women. They have uh, been doing these ministries uh, for a long time, um, and they serve with diligence and with excellence. So what I would say to any young man, um, there's an opportunity to lock arms with other men where you can spend time in the Word, in fellowship, outings, barbecues, games, just a lot of different events uh, that we we offer as a church. We, we enjoy Sunday, we enjoy Wednesdays, but that's not the end of our ministry time. Our ministry time is uh, spending time with each other in different venues. We have our children's ministry, which we're really wanting to follow that. In, in Deuteronomy 4, which I read from Sunday, the Lord said to Moses to tell them to teach these things to their children. So they will be careful to remember them and obey them, that they would enjoy life in the land. And so our children's ministry is a strong focus for me to make sure that we are providing what they need to make sure that our children's environment is inviting, fun, and we're just continuing to build that. So if you have young children, um, bring them to church with you. We have a youth minister. His name is Jamal White. The guy is just, um, he's a phenomenal Bible teacher. He loves those children. He loves uh, spending time with them and he serves alongside of his wife and they just, just do a great job. We're trying to make sure that the uh, young people from around 14 or so to 18 are getting what they need just before they launch into life. Because that next stage, they're going to have to have some things in their backpack to carry along with them. And that's some lessons from the Word of God and things that they can rely on, truth and uh, just a relationship with the Lord. Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church, located at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro. And you say, well, where's that? Well, if you had northbound on 880, you will likely see a huge billboard right there. And it's very easy on and off the freeway, so check them out. Details on web at faith-fellowship.us. You can also call the church directly at area code 510-357-5723. 510-357-5723. I want to thank Senior Pastor Vince Taylor from Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church of San Leandro for spending some time with us today. Pastor, thanks so much. It's been a delight. Oh, thank you, Craig. It's been it's been fun. Thank you very much. And I appreciate the opportunity and I wish you well and have the uh, Merry Christmas. I hope this is the best ever. And to you and yours as well. There's Pastor Vince Taylor, Faith Fellowship Church of San Leandro. 
You know, as this season just comes together, you start to realize more and more that if we don't keep the Christmas story alive, it will fade right before our eyes. I believe people think it's redundant for us to have a manger scene, to tell the story over and over again. But it really is the greatest story that's ever been told. And what if a generation grew up that didn't know about this story? What would that generation be like if there was a generation that had no idea what the manger was, had really no idea about Christmas, Christmas except a tree and exchanging gifts, and a man in a red suit with a beard in a shopping mall. What if that was the whole story for a generation? Can you imagine what would be lost? You don't even want to. You don't even want to. Because our world needs this story. The, the world really revolves around one name. Jesus. Jesus before the manger. Jesus after the manger. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus ascended to the Father. Jesus coming back. That's the whole story. If the world loses that story, the world's in serious trouble. You see, ever since the beginning, and let me read this familiar passage to you. Ever since the beginning, the story was told about this person, Jesus. They didn't know his name at the time, but they were told the story. The first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, and the devil heard it. So even in the dark spiritual realm, there was this recognition of this somebody who was coming one day, born the seed of a woman. The devil knew it. Adam and Eve, they kind of, we don't get it, but we do. And we're the ones left to continue to tell the story. We're left to tell the story. Will the story fade in our generation? I would say not. Now, happy holidays is very common. In fact, it almost makes me angry when somebody says it. You know, maybe they don't mean any harm. But no, Merry Christmas. You know, that's what this is about. And so, in Genesis 3, the Lord says to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Traditional Christianity says that happened 6,000 years ago. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ walked this earth and he died on a cross. And now he's seated at the right hand of God, coming back one day, whenever the Lord whispers over and says, Son, it's time. Rise. So the story seems redundant and people are wondering, can't you guys come up with another story? Can't you be a little more creative? How about another way? Well, when Jesus said, I am the way, it was settled. It was settled for all time. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me, says the Lord. So why would we find another way? But even though there are those right now who are saying, you know what, you guys are ridiculous. 
every year you tell that same story. And you know what? Until I go home to be with the Lord, I'm going to tell that story. I'm going to tell that story. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Hmm. His mother Mary, well, there was an actual woman by the name of Mary who was pledged to be married to a man who was an actual man by the name of Joseph. But before they came together, they were never intimate with one another. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Think about that moment for Mary to find out what? I'm with child. Maybe she resolved in her mind, this has to be a miracle. So there's something special about this child. I haven't been with my future husband or any other man. What will people say about me? Well, what do you say about Mary? Blessed is Mary. That's our story with Mary. No, she wasn't someone who cheated on her husband that she was pledged to. The story goes, she was found pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. Uh, we're human beings. Every guy in here would scratch his head if our mate says, I'm pregnant. And it's not by you. Ladies, don't try this at home. <laughs> but Joseph had to deal with that. But God knew, knew what he was doing when he chose them. God is always looking for faithful people. Faithful people. Every generation needs them. Every generation needs faithful people. Because God is a miracle working God. He does miracles, supernatural things, which mean they're beyond our ability. So we have to believe in what we don't see. We have to comprehend things that we can't put together in our mind's eye. But we're faithful. And so when you share this story, you're telling the greatest story ever told. And so it continues. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I, if I were Joseph, I'd say praise God. Praise God. Because I needed to hear that. Gabriel, thank you, man. I needed to hear that. And then it says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The angel was telling him about us. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, what prophet and what did the prophet say? The prophet Isaiah said it 740 years before it happened. Somebody needs to hear from the Lord in every generation. Somebody needs to be praying, hearing from the Lord. 
Don't bring a word from you. Bring a word from the Lord. When you bring a word from the Lord, the belief is you've spent time with him. But if you haven't been spending time with the Lord, please don't bring a word. Because that's you. And you have absolutely no miracle working ability. Only God. In Isaiah chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, I'll read with you. In verse 13, then Isaiah said, Hear now, O house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Why will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was 740 years before this day that Mary is being told by the angel that you are getting ready to give birth. And Joseph finds out his wife that's pledged to him if was child. And then the scriptures tell you that this is going to happen. And ever since this moment took place, there's been something else taking place the whole time. Three things that I want to bring to your attention. The very first thing the devil tried to do because he knew the day was coming was to kill him. That was step number one. I need to get rid of this kid. So he ministered in his own wicked way to a king by the name of Herod. And so in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, when the Magi had left Herod, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So the first scheme of the enemy was to wipe Jesus off the face of the earth. That was scheme number one. It didn't work. Joseph, being a faithful man as he was, he did exactly what the angel said, took his child, and he went to Egypt. You know what all of us need a dose of? Is obedience. Every one of us needs a fresh dose of obedience. God knows what he's doing. God knows when he's speaking to you, this is something that he's not, it's not a suggestion. Is I'm telling you something, I'm showing you something, I'm revealing something to you for the purpose of your obedience. Now, I believe Jesus is coming back. Does anybody else believe that? I believe he is. Therefore, I'm living life as though he's coming today. Because when God says, God says something, it's going to be. And so Joseph, being an obedient man, and all of us could consider being a little more obedient in the year 2024. You know that thing that God has been telling you that to change? Whatever God has been saying to you, maybe this is the year to implement it. How about that? How about that? Joseph heard from the Lord. And then second, scheme number two, in Acts chapter four, after Pentecost, the next scheme was to silence him. And so the apostles were brought before the Pharisees. It says in verse 18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That was scheme number two. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard now. Will you get tired of the Christmas story? Will you get tired of telling the story? They said, we cannot help but tell you or speak in that name. In our generation, it's still trying to be silenced. 
There still has to be a people group or individuals who share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell the story of the birth of our Savior. It's not redundant to me. I look forward to it every year. Every year because it's the greatest story that's ever been told. They're trying to squash the story first. The devil wanted to kill the child. Therefore, there is no story to tell. And when he couldn't kill him, he says, I'll silence them. Then it says, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, the third scheme, the third one, we're living it right now. We're living it. In the book of Romans, we're actually living this third scheme today. And there's got to be a people group that holds firm to the story. So in the book of Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 25. It's a very familiar passage. We're living in a time where now they exchange the truth about God for a lie. Now we're in an age of deception And the last wicked act is apostasy when people turn away from the truth because they have itching ears and they only want to be told what their itching ears want to hear. The story, it doesn't satisfy them anymore. Their itching ears need to hear another story. And it's being told. Right now, when they exchange the truth for a lie. Well, let me ask you something. If you're not telling the truth, what are you doing? Yep, yes you are. Some would say it's a half-truth. It's a lie. Well, it's just a little white one. It's a lie. You can't change the story. It is what it is. And he says in our time, they exchange the truth of God for a lie Now, when you start to buy a lie, everything goes downhill from there. There is a progression that comes from a lie, and it's a downward spiral, and we are watching it happen today. Watch how exchanging the truth changes the generation. When you exchange the truth for a lie, the generation changes. And so it says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Watch this. Because of that, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Why wouldn't they? If you exchange the truth for a lie, you will live one. You will live one. Now, I know people get mad when I read stuff like that. But in our generation, we're watching this happen right now. Because the truth is being exchanged for a lie, the behavior of people changes for the worse. For the worse. Then it says, in the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Well, why wouldn't they? We're living a lie now. We exchange the truth. So we're living a lie. We're watching it happen right now. We're watching it. Then it says, Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now, let me just throw something else in here in the same 
book, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to take it to the close of chapter 1. And you know what it says? Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Tell me that's not right where we are. That's right where we are. And now if you don't go along, if you don't agree, there's something wrong with you. And you know what? We need to shut down your Facebook site. You can't speak on the internet anymore. Or whatever other kind of website. Do you know that these different sites monitor words? And all of a sudden your broadcast might go off. Right in the middle of it. You know why? Because you want to actually tell the truth. You want to tell the truth. And so when we look at this Christmas story that they call redundant, that they talk about like, you know, really, guys, come on. Enough already. Every year you guys do this. Happy holidays. No. Merry Christmas. Have you ever watched someone when you say that to them? Back when they say happy holidays, you say no Merry Christmas. You know what? I've already got your money, so get out of here. But you know what? I'm told that the management tells them to say happy holidays. There's no Merry Christmas here. I'll take your money, but keep your Jesus. If we stop telling the story, it'll quickly fade. And then when you exchange the truth for a lie, the behavior of people goes downhill rapidly. All of a sudden, a man looks at another man like he sees a woman. Paul, I love you, but man, you ugly to me. I'm, I'm just saying. As a guy, you know what I mean. <laughs> no way. No way. No way. This is the world we're in right now. But remember, the whole world revolves around the name Jesus. Ever since the beginning, let's kill it. Let's silence it. Let's change it. But remember, the story was that he was coming. And he came. The next story was... He's coming back, and he will. So in Acts chapter 1, as the disciples were watching Jesus ascend, in verse 11, I'll read it. Men of Galilee, they say, they said, these angels speaking to them, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven it's always been about Jesus it is about Jesus and it always will be about Jesus yeah and so as the everybody's preparing for the holidays and the 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 kids are working on their plays and things like that that's exactly what I did when I was a kid in church, I had to do something. I had to wear an uh, angel suit or something. <laughs> had to have something on my head. And I had to learn something. I had to stand there in front of my mom and say these words. And then finally, she would give me a piece of cake or something because I said it. 
She knew what she was doing. She was passing along the story. She was passing it along. And so now, I'm charged, and you are too, with continuing the story. We are charged to do that. Now, our kids are to be taught these things. Now, there are three things that I'm going to bring to your mind right now that we see. It's always been in the Bible. If you read your Bible, you'll always see that there were agnostics. People who said that, you know, you can't really know God. You know, there, you just, it, it's unknowable. So, I, you know, I don't believe anything. Then there were the Gnostics who said, you know, because flesh is sinful, it's sinful, Forget about the flesh. It's just going to do what it's going to do. But for your soul, your spirit, it requires higher learning. Gnosis or knowledge. Knowledge. And right now we're looking at knowledge. Take a whole different dimension now. Now we have artificial knowledge. Artificial intelligence. There are people who are willing now to defeat God, put me on ice for a thousand years, and then wake me up a thousand years later. Good night. Because we're going to ascend above God. So now what's left is the atheists. I don't even believe there's a God. I don't even believe there's one. So this story means nothing. There is no God. And you know people like that. Anybody got an atheist in their family? Don't, don't tell anybody. And they look at you like you're crazy. But you know what? The atheists I know, I see those wheels turning. What if you're right? I am. I am. By faith in Jesus. Now listen. Let's do what Moses had to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, let's read this together. Let's read it together. You see, I always try to tell you, and Wednesday night, we're going to break down a few passages. We're going to look at them in detail, in depth. Because there is a message in all of the scriptures. Do you know that all scripture is inspired by God? It is God breathed. It is Theo, God, Nustos, it's his word. Do you know that the word became flesh? Do you know that it dwelt amongst us? Do you know what the word said? The word, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by Yeah. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land the God of your ancestors is giving you. Now, I'm going to caution you, Israel. I'm going to caution you, church. I'm going to caution you. Remember, you have no authority to change the word of God. Absolutely no authority. So when you want to make the word of God fit your belief, be careful. Be careful. Thank you. He said, don't do it. But it's happening all around us. And you know what? It's happening in people who wear the nice robes and the collars and they think they have permission from somebody 
to change what God has said. Don't do it. So it says, do not add to what I command you. Nothing. And do not subtract from, from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Do this. Don't add to it. I made them male and female. Don't add, don't add to it. Don't add to it. Don't do it. Two men together in a continuum, in a society, the society will die. It'll die. It can't, it can't survive like that because God made them male and female. And you know what? I really thank God for that. I love my wife, but I was watching her have a baby, and it was like, oh, God. So I said, he made them male and female. We love you, ladies. He said, you saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. That's all he can do. He can't tell you something else. I ain't going to try to tell you nothing else. It's this or nothing. It's this or nothing. Because I can't change it. Moses said, I just told you what God said. Now, you may not like it, but I told you what God said. He continues. He says, so that you may follow them in the land you're entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. Think about it. What does the Bible really say? As you just meet this stunning young man, you Christian woman, you, and he is so nice, and you say, did God really say? Because you just found out he's not a Christian. Did God really mean that? Uh, maybe he meant everybody else except me. Remember it. Think about it carefully. What you're about to do. Think carefully. Then he says, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all of these decrees and say, surely, this is a great nation. This is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Who can do that? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Now, you're getting older. We're getting older. So the rest of the story is this. Only be careful to watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Now, teach them to your children and to their children after them. I praise God for my mom who taught me. And now, when it's my time to teach, I did. And now, 
it's my boy's time to teach. And he is. And he is. The reality is this story has to be told. It is the only story that leads to eternal life. I could tell you how to buy stocks and bonds, and maybe they'll turn out good and you'll make a little money. But how much of it will you take with you? And it's appointed to every man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Now that was an Old Testament verse I just read to you, but God didn't leave it there. In the book of Revelation chapter 22, turn there with me. Revelation 22 Beginning in verse 18, it says, now listen, this is Jesus talking. He says in verse 18, I I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, the prophecy of this scroll. Now this is New Testament theology here. He says, If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of this prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in this scroll. Now listen. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, if your politics causes you to compromise the word of God, be careful. Be careful. If your social agenda causes you to want to twist the word of God, be careful. That was Jesus talking. To the priests and the holy fathers all over who think they have the authority to change this, beware. Beware. I know the robe you have on is stunning, but it's just a robe. So to you, this is our story. That's our story. To us, it will never change. It will never grow old. We will pass it down, and when we're gone, it will continue to be told. That's what will happen. Pastor Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor of Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.